DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Donna Lowry from GPB's Lawmakers, filling in today for Bill Nygut. Thanks for joining us. A reminder that you can log on to the GPB News Facebook page right now and not only hear us, but you can see us too. We'll monitor your comments there, and you can also comment on our Twitter page, which is at politics. GPB. Now, let's meet today's guest. Jim Galloway, I'm glad to be able to say this. He's lead political writer for the AJC, and I'm thrilled that you're here today with me. Yeah, me it's, it's great to be here. It's, it's, it's a particularly good-looking group, uh, group of people we are today. I love that. He starts out right. He Compliments always work. All righty. And new to us today is Senator Tanya Anderson, who represents Lithonia. You were, you were a former mayor, and you're also vice president of the Georgia Legislative Black Caucus, and you're joining us for the first time here on Rewind. Thank you. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, welcome. And also new, Angelique Moore, a political cons- consultant and fundraiser, and she served as deputy finance director for the Brian Kemp campaign, gubernatorial campaign. You're also first on Rewind. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me yeah, today. We're so glad. Well, we'll get you to talk a little bit about yourselves later. Okay. We'll find out more about you. So get ready. We don't want to want all your history, but a little bit. So for now, let's start by quickly mentioning some good news. The governor's office sent out a press release saying Georgia's June net tax collections are up 7.4% compared with a year ago. And for the 2019 fiscal year that ended on June 30th, the net tax collections were up 4.8% compared to the 2018 fiscal year. Again, good news. And I wanted to mention it because it just came down this morning. What reflections, Jim, on that? Well, generally when that happens, when, when, when something like this happens, what, what, uh, what it means is the legislature has a little bit more money to play with when it comes, uh, comes in in January. It's an election year, so you're going to probably see some Republican pressure uh, for tax breaks. You might also see, uh, remember that uh, Brian Kemp promised uh, teachers a $5,000 pay yes. increase. Uh, uh, that He only got to 3000 this year, so you might see a little bit uh, play there. The other thing, the, the other thing that this does, it kind of points to the, 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 the general political climate, which is a which is uh, we, we've got a good economy going, and in a good economy that 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 generally uh, favors the incumbent. Uh, and and in this upcoming presidential race, I'm, it'll, it'll redound to the, the David Perdue's benefit, the, the senator from U.S. But what we're seeing, if if you if you look at some a lot of these polling numbers, you're seeing that the good economy, at least as far as the presidential race, doesn't translate to popularity that there's a there's a gap that we've never seen before that's that's something different that people are 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 feeling good about where they are fiscally but they they're taking a look at uh, at the current administration and they're finding it wanting that's interesting. Sen- Senator Anderson this is good news for you that, that we have this money coming in right Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, any any more thoughts about it? Any more comments you want to make? Okay, not right now. Not you told right me you now. didn't want to talk a lot about money today, so I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> well, but, but 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 here, okay, all right. If you're on the budget committee, you're not on the budget committee. Right? I am not. Yeah. Okay, but if you talk to somebody on the budget committee, what do you want to see? We do want to see increases. We do want to see um, uh, our our um, taxes and and um, revenue. We do want to see the increase in that. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hurt people in the process, but we do want to see an increase in it. So mm-hmm. money is good. Money, money coming is in good. good. Okay. Okay. Let's let's change gears a little bit. Uh, let's get into something you've written about, Jim. Uh, last month's U.S. Supreme Court ruling that takes power away from the federal court over political gerrymandering. It is likely to have a significant impact on Georgia's state house races in 2020. It comes at a time when Democrats are aiming to win a majority at the Capitol following their significant gains in 2018. Then there's the fallout from the anti-abortion law, plus the dissension within the state GOP over House Speaker David Ralston and the the legislative leave law that has led to delays in his court cases. So, Jim, in your report, you say the high court's decision on gerrymandering will put more emphasis on both parties on about... 
two dozen races? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what this does is okay. Uh, come twenty twenty, we're going to have a presidential race. Everybody knows that. We're going to have a state senate, ra- a U.S. Senate race. Everybody knows knows that. But what this Supreme Court decision did was on 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 allowing political gerrymandering, the drawing of lines that allow a political party to in, to increase its 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 hold on power. What that does is it really puts the focus on say maybe about two dozen state house races not the state senate races but state house races these 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 races that are normally are just are just kind of in the background of an election of an election campaign it's going to it's going to bring these little tiny races up to the forefront. They will be more important than the presidential race and the U.S. Senate race if you are a Georgia Republican or if you're a Georgia Democrat. Because what, what the situation is, okay, you, you've, you, you know that we've got a census coming in, in 2020, and we, there's been the a talk about the, citizen, the citizenship question here, okay? Okay. Uh, the, the, the census is, occurs in 2020. In 2021, legislatures all over the country will get those numbers, the results of that, and they will begin redrawing districts because of that. Now, right now, Democrats in Georgia are shut out. They lost they, they, they lost the gubernatorial race in November. The state Senate is still is still pretty far out of reach. It's it, it would it would take a near miracle for them to to, to win the the state Senate in November 2018. Their only goal uh, that that's, appears achievable at this point is the state House. There's a 15 seat gap between House Republicans who have 105 seats and Senate and House Democrats who have 75. They pick up 15, they pick up 16, they are in control of the chamber and thus they have a seat at the table when it comes to redistricting. And that means that means they can help determine who Georgia sends to Congress. Yeah. And then your number crunchers at the AGC looked at things and while there were a lot of people who voted in the governor's race, they did not vote in these lesser races and I guess your numbers crunchers figured out that it more that happened more with Democrats than Republicans. Right, and, and this is this is something that, that that Tanya may want to want to want to come in on. What happened was, you've got a uh, uh, there was something like one point three two percentage points that separated Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. at the gubernatorial level. Sure. You know, just what about sixty thousand votes, maybe fifty five thousand votes. Mm-hmm. Then the the Brian Kemp uh, the, the the races for all of the races for state house. All the Republican votes for state house cast were maybe uh, I think fifty thousand short of that. It, it was it was it was a small drop off, sure. but you had a huge drop off on the Democratic side of of Democrat Democratic votes cast for House members. It was something like an eight. It was triple the size of the Republican drop off. And a lot of that what um, name it, rep- recognition lack it's, of it's, it's, name it's, well, recognition. Well, no, you know, I, I, we we looked at it. It's not it's not it's not who ha- who is running unopposed. Or, and who wasn't, because you had a- almost the same number of people running the post. I think what you have is you had a, a an excellent gubernatorial campaign waged by Abrams, but it didn't filter down far enough. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that the Georgia Democrats are going to have a really tough job of making sure the mm-hmm. excitement that she generated in in 2020 really filters down to the grassroots level. Yeah, Tanya, you want to? And I think it will. I think it will because um, people saw the potential. Um, and I think uh, folks who were actually in those races um, did not capitalize on that. And um, and so now that they see the potential, then folks who are actually running again um, or running in new house um, districts, then that they will um, garner the support and, and, and bring the energy with them to, to galvanize folks to the polls. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to talk with you about on this subject is the Georgia Legislative Black Caucus. You're the vice chair of that. Um, the Supreme Court's decision, after right afterwards, you guys sent out a press release and said, politicians will select their voters versus the right of voters to select their politicians. Talk a little bit about um, the group's feeling on this. I, I think that it is very, very important that the voters choose um, their politicians because um, this has game has been played um, for far too long. How um, there's gerrymandering and the lines are drawn, and and people are not choosing who represents them well or who's who has their um, best interests at heart. And so it is um, imperative that 
we make it very plain and very clear to the voters that it is time for them to speak up and 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 be at the table um to say that you know I'm going to be counted in the census and then I'm going to the polls and I'm going to choose who I um still no matter what still choose who I want to represent me. Okay, Angelica, I want to get you in on this. Any insight on how the Georgia GOP is is looking at the ruling and especially in recognizing how Democrats feel or are going to feel this even more pressure to to seek a majority in the house. Well, I believe when it comes to constituents and the voters, it, a, one year is a lifetime in politics. So you're looking at a year, maybe a little bit longer before people really get started. So it may drop in those uh, votes that turn out, unless you said, Jim, you brought up Abrams and other Democratic leaders uh, to garner support for those local level races. And However, they may be concentrating more so on presidential races, congressional, larger races. So, it's it's um, it's 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 interesting. There were uh, uh, there were twenty two House district cont- uh, contests mm-hmm. in November eighteen, mm-hmm. where where Stacey Abrams got forty percent or more of the vote, and yet they elected a, uh, a GOP lawmaker. And so that's kind of the f- core of your focus uh, that the both sides are going to have. Mm-hmm. And in 15 of those 22 seats, yes. Stacey Abrams got 45% of the vote, and yet the GOP law- lawmaker still won. So those are, that's, that's kind of your area. And, 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 and what I would add here is that I think, in, in a strange, you, you mentioned this a little bit going into this segment, is one of the strange things is I think House Speaker David Ralston may be one of the people to benefit from this. Uh, he has had this this uh, this this ongoing. fight. His on, this ongoing fight with with a, a a faction of his of his uh, Republican caucus. You know, maybe ten members have uh, signed on to uh, a request for him to resign his speech speakership because of this of his problems with his his law firm. Uh, he says he's addressed them. Uh, he, you know, he he was he was delaying. He, he was his clients were getting court delay after court delay after court delay, citing. And he was citing his occupation as a legislature, legislator, and uh, he says that's all been repaired. They're not quite satisfied. But if if this is this could be a crisis year for the GOP because this is the first time since they took power in two thousand two that they face the, the the very real possibility that they could lose at least a little bit of control in the in the uh, in the capital, and that means uh, that means uh, this uh, this rebellion is likely to be quieted at least in, at least until after the November vote. It sounds like Angelique, a lot of this is issues oriented right now, rather than maybe name recognition or anything else. That's fair, exactly, and I completely agree. Where we it's the internal fighting, so that has to stop. And whether or not uh, you agree with um, David Rostad being speaker, that needs to be put aside after that vote is taken and focus on keeping your majority. If you have no majority, then you have no Republican speaker. So that infighting is worries you. Yeah. That's, it, it, it is what worries me. And we did just have a Republican uh, state re- convention as well where we elected uh, the former uh, Senate pro tem, David Schaefer, who used to be the executive director of the state party. And I believe that's one of the be- best things we've done in a long time as an organization, as a party uh, statewide to elect him because he's going to do, and he has been doing a very good job uh, beginning to raise funds and work on the national level and then also organizing. And some unity? Unity as well as organizing. Okay. Tanya, did you want to comment a little bit on what they've said? No. Okay. I'm good. All righty. I'm good. Go ahead. We'll go ahead and move on then to another topic. Um, maybe a bit unexpected unex- uh, that the Georgia Right to Life uh, group, it's an anti-abortion group, and it has dropped its endorsement of lawmakers who voted for 
the so-called heartbeat bill because the group doesn't think it went far enough. And the law bans abortion. As you know, the heart, the heartbeat bill, a doctor, once a doctor detects a heartbeat, but it also has exemptions for rape and incest or if the life of the mother is at risk or if the fetus is terminal. And Jim, um, what more can you tell us about this decision by the Georgia uh, right to life? Uh, okay. People? This is, if you're, if, if you are, if you're into Republican politics in Georgia, this, this is, this is, this is not really a surprise. This is something that we've seen I've been writing uh, about for at least 20 years or so you've got you've got a a a division a very sincere division within the anti-abortion movement uh, and for uh, for the longest time uh, for instance you had uh, uh, Sadie Fields with the Georgia Christian Coalition uh, on one side of this divide and Georgia right to life on the other side of this divide and it's really over whether you allow an exception for abortion bans for cases of rape or incest, which are very minuscule, it doesn't, you know, they they don't they don't happen that often. Uh, 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 you have uh, the 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 old Georgia Co- uh, Christian Coalition favored those exemptions. Georgia right to life never has. So you you have this 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 dynamic continuing uh, even up today up to today because House Bill four eighty one has exceptions for rape and incest. But only if the the woman uh, uh, submits to a police, police report, report. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, because of those exceptions, Georgia right to life says that's not enough. It's it's kind of a, uh, it's if if you're in the anti-abortion movement, it's 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 a case of uh, letting the 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 perfect become the enemy of the good, uh, and you have this. You have what is it, what is the new group? Family Policy Alliance, I think. I believe so, that's correct. Yeah, Cole Munzio is is the leader, and and you know he is he is he vowed over the weekend he was he would never work with Georgia Right to Life until they reform themselves because because he's supporting those those lawmakers who did back House Bill 481. And then there's the Georgia Life Alliance who are also supporting those lawmakers. So I'm curious, Angelique, how how severe a blow losing the endorsement of Georgia Right to Life will be for these lawmakers, do you think? I believe in some areas it it's going to, it may hurt. It may hurt unless they're able to get out to the constituents and let them know why? But again, you said that there's the other organization, not, not Georgia Right to Life, but there was uh, the Family Policy uh, Alliance. Yeah, I think. and there's some others. Yeah, the Georgia Life Alliance. Yes. I saw quotes. So um, you may be able to get other endorsements. Yeah, it's, it's 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 called reasonable, you know. And if people have been who are elected and have been doing a good job and had that endorsement before, and then it's retracted, surely people would be able to understand this is something that would 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 affect only republican lawmakers mm-hmm. and only in 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 republican primaries uh, it it is it would it would allow a candidate uh, to say run to the right of 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 you if you voted for for house bill 481 uh, w- with the georgia right to life imprimatur but 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 to angelique's point if that same incumbent is running saying oh is waving you know i've got the 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 the, the georgia christian alliance uh uh, 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 endorsement, then it kind of it, it's 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 a it's a small but not not unimportant detail. I, I think. I think too. It's it's sometimes it is more difficult as an incumbent to run because you do have a record. So if you've been doing a good job at the general assembly, uh, representing your constituents, then you ought to be able to show a track record and run it on that as well. That'll outshine everything. Okay. I know, uh, Representative Anderson, I know you have some thoughts on the, the heartbeat bill. Uh, you mentioned something to me. You, you learned recently that the whole issue of personhood, the personhood provisions of the law, are uh, something of concern to Democrats in particular during the 2020 census. Absolutely. Uh, this bill allows for the fetus to be counted uh, as soon as the heartbeat is detected. And federally, the um, Census Bureau needs a birthday. And so that would not be possible um, with this bill. There's, you, there's no predict, you can predict a birthday, but they don't, they're not counted um, in the census. And so it's pretty much 
not something that can be used. It, it, it's a really interesting question <laughs> and a really interesting dilemma. Okay, we've, we, we just remember, we, we do have an ACL lawsuit that has been filed seeking to block the bill. It, right. a, a judge hasn't, we haven't had our first hearing on it yet, and so that, 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 that bill may not be. Uh, it, 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 it's still in, in effect. But as it goes into effect, it's got this whole, the, the personhood ha, uh, uh, provision has all sorts of implications. Uh, for instance, you, you're allowed to to to, uh, to count it as a dependent in sure. your taxes. Sure. You know how do you prove it? We don't know. Uh, it's you know it's there's there's the joke of course whether whether a, a woman uh, would be alive to, allowed to drive alone in the in the carpool lane. You know it's uh, uh, right now the state patrol says no. Uh, but but you've got you've got you've got all of these these little permutations that haven't been worked out yet uh, that come with declaring a a, a six week old uh, or could you know a, a a a fetus that's only several weeks old kind of giving him the the, the sta- same legal status as a as a full blown human being and child support is included in that as well right child mm-hmm. child support too. Yeah, so it, you know it's interesting that this if it we've got the challenge, but if it does become law, it's January twenty twenty. So we're talking, and right after that, we're dealing with the census. The census. So, yeah, but, but it doesn't. It, 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 the federal census isn't affected. Uh, the, the law says that any state census, state census, okay. uh, these 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 uh, the, 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 a pregnancy would be counted. Interesting. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about this. But right now we're going to get to our first break, a quick break. But coming up, we're going to talk about the governor's quiet appointment uh, that has some people raising their eyebrows a little bit and how the governor is responding to a lawsuit that claims Georgia is discriminating against Puerto Ricans who apply for their driver's licenses. You're listening to Political Rewind on GPB. We're back in one minute. You know, selling a car can be a hassle, but donating it is a whole different story. Let us take it off your hands or off your driveway and turn it into public radio and maybe even a tax deduction. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the host of Marketplace, and here is how to donate. Call 877-GPB-1-CAR or donate securely online at gpb.org slash cars. And thanks. On the next Fresh Air, a bioethicist struggle with opioids. Terry Gross speaks with Travis Reeder. After shattering his foot, followed by six surgeries, he became dependent on opioids. With difficulty, he was able to wean himself off. Now, he's an advocate for opioid use reform. His new book is titled, In Pain. Join us. Fresh Air is 3 o'clock this afternoon here on GPB and gpbnews.org. Welcome back to Political Rewind. I'm Donna Lowry from GPB's Lawmakers, filling in today for Bill Nygut. And we are joined by the AJC's Jim Galloway, political consultant Angelique Moore, and State Senator Tanya Anderson of Lithonia. So thank you guys for being here. Before we go any further, let's celebrate some really great news by taking a moment to congratulate the U.S. women's soccer team on their big World Cup win. How about that? Pretty cool. This morning, we do know that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi invited the team to Capitol Hill they have declined an invitation to the White House yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's one of the larger equal pay movements that I've ever seen yeah uh. yeah <laughs> now they have this bigger platform now of course to talk about their equal pay platform um, try equal pay with their male counterparts and they're already all over the news still talking about it um, it's almost good for them you know we got to win now pay us what we deserve absolutely yeah. <laughs> So, I like it. Yeah. Are Any you, opportunity for great equality. That's it. Yeah. I love it. Are you soccer fans? I don't watch it, yeah. but as long as the USA is winning, I'm that, good. That's Ooh. the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and with any sports, I, I let my husband take care of all of that. So, yeah. So let's let's move on to something a little closer to home. Governor uh, Kemp has appointed former U.S. Congressman Bob Barr to the Judicial Qualifications Committee. Uh, This is a powerful agency that has oversight when it comes to judges in the state. And we know from a Channel 2 report that the Georgia Supreme Court, that the Justice uh, David Namias, reportedly sought to block the nomination. Jim, do, do we know what's behind uh, that move uh, no, by Namias? We don't know why, yeah. but it's, it, it, that's fairly rare. 
Uh, I can't remember it ever happening before. Uh, and this is this is the, this judicial qualifications committee. There there are appointments that a governor can make that are kind of you know there's there's well the, you know there's a third tier there's a second tier. This is a first tier nomination here because uh, it, it, and 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 Angelique can back me up on this. You know the 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 emphasis that Republicans have put on on picking members of the judiciary. Uh, this goes. This goes to that. I mean, one of uh, Governor Nathan Deal's big les- legacies was the number of judicial appointments that he made, and so who who calls the list of potential judges down becomes very uh, very important. And Bob Barth, former congressman, has, has been uh, now on that list, and uh, it's you do you do. F- uh, you do find some antipathy toward Barr. Well, he—I mean, he was a—he uh, was a seventh district congressman. If you remember, he got uh, after redistricting. I think it was in, in the two thousand one redistricting. Uh, Democrats didn't do him any favors, and he chose to run against John Linder uh, uh, to challenge him for that seat. He lost. Mm-hmm. But but after that, he became a libertarian candidate for president, and in Republican circles, sometimes that doesn't that doesn't fly too well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Angelique. How, how's he seen by the GOP? He, he did endorse Brian Kemp fairly early, if I if I'm not mistaken, didn't he? He did, he did, and he was often in the office, and he's uh, been a good friend and endorsed me when I ran. And I actually I don't know. What did you run for? I ran for clerk of Fulton County Superior Court mm-hmm. No. Four, and then. I ran when Ed Lindsay uh, decided not to run again for state house, which is the house seat initially. Beth Beskin had won. So, uh, but Bob, and that's uh, um, Mullins now? I forget who's in that seat right now. Oh, no, that's Jen Jordan's seat. Oh, not Beth Beskin. It's uh, Eric Allen. No, that's Rich Gullick's seat. We're I'm really sorry. bad. We don't have everything <laughs> okay. in bed. We'll, we'll figure that out and get back okay, on but, that one. <laughs> so go ahead, so, Angela. Oh, well, so Bob, and I, I, he and his wife, Jerry, have been very wonderful and active always. Uh, very prominent in Cobb. Absolutely, which is where I was partially raised, too, as well, uh, in Kennesaw. And before that rural background I have in Ranger, Georgia, where I... I Tom Graves is from. Thank you. So, nonetheless, although Bob ran as a libertarian, he does have a huge following, including myself. I think it actually helps uh, with the the outreach. And I believe that Governor Kemp has been doing a wonderful job in his appointments, including this one. And that it can help bring unity. It can help bring in those libertarians who may not like uh, any particular uh, issue or or uh, items that the Republicans or the governor are supporting, and again help bring unity with with Bob. Okay, just want to get back to that seat. It's District Fifty Four. Betsy Holland, a Democrat. Yes, now yes. that turned that seat turned yes. this time. So, I, you know, you mentioned that he that the governor is getting kudos for some of his diver, the diversity of his appointments. I, I mean, I didn't know whether Representative Anderson, you want to talk a little bit about uh, about that a little bit, or even the uh, Georgia Legislative Black Caucus a position on the the uh, Judicial Qualifications Committee. I, I, I think the key is to make sure that we have a judiciary that is fair um, and not um, partisan in, in every um, appointment um, so that we, you know, can keep um, Georgia moving in a very, very productive and um, progressive way. But to just keep the judiciaries um, fair and nonpartisan. Yeah. You got to wonder if uh, Nambias, uh, Justice Nambias knows something that we don't know, though, with this. And they were both former federal pro- prosecutors. So right, yeah. I don't know, you know, if we're going to yeah. find out something down the road or is it's just a personal thing. And 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 quite frankly, I don't know. I, I've I've I, uh, I know Bob Barr. Uh, far, I've known him far longer than I have Nambias. Uh, and I and I don't know don't know the that justice all that well. So I so I you know rather than speculate, I, it's one of those things sure. where I just prefer to just to sit back and wait and see what happens. Exactly. 
Bob Barr was uh, when I was a, a young reporter, a younger reporter. I'll say that um, he used he was always available. That's the one mm-hmm. thing I loved. If I could call him on a Sunday afternoon, and he'd stand outside in front of his uh, <laughs> in front of his home and talk with me. So very very accessible. I remember. Uh, I remember hearing stories that when he first got elected as well, he used to stay in his office in D.C. He would sleep there. I mean, it's so expensive, right? So to to be there and work for his constituents, he would. Go up there and stay in his office. Okay, we'll we'll see what Down happens. Down to earth, next. great guy. All right, thank you on that one. Let's talk about something else involving the governor, and that's the lawsuit that alleges discrimination against Puerto Ricans when it comes to applying for driver's licenses in Georgia. The governor has said he is he's asking for a full investigation into the claims, and this comes after a, a lawsuit that drew the attention of the governor of Puerto Rico, Ricardo Roseo. And the lawsuit describes how Puerto Rican residents who've moved to Georgia are required to complete questionnaires that residents from other states are not having to fill out. And let's be clear, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. The citizens are Americans, just like those who live in Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. I almost said the District of Columbus. I don't know why, that where that came from. The lawsuit says Puerto Ricans have, have to answer questions such as name the frog, native to Puerto Rico, and who is Roberto Clemente? I'm from Pittsburgh, so I definitely know who he is, uh, who he was. Um, Jim, this story gained a lot of attention over the around the world even this week. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, number one, it was, yeah. uh, the suit was filed, I think, on Thursday, and, uh, and the uh, it, it it alleged that is, as you said, you know, you had drivers from Puerto Rico wanting to wanting to uh, uh, a- being asked what the state frog was. I mean, I don't think if, if anybody know the state frog of Georgia. Can, I looked can, it up. It's something like the green frog or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, nothing, okay. just, nothing really I, unique. But but it really, I will tell you what it, it what what I think really got everybody's attention were was the this this 13 page document that that the attorneys for for the Puerto Rican man uh, now a Georgia resident uh, and U.S. citizen. Uh, got from uh, during the discovery process of the lawsuit. Uh, they they received it. They they got it in December eighteen. Uh, 18. It was a th- it's a thirteen page document that says this. These are questions you need to ask Puerto Ricans uh, to to see if they're truly truly there. Now what, what this what th- this this kind of dates back. Uh, there, nobody is talking about this. Okay, you're right, Governor. After after we after I published this this right, document, you did. that's when that's when Kemp said I want a full investigation. All right, okay, but I think it goes back to there was an incident in 2010 in Puerto Rico where you had thieves co- go in and steal a bunch of birth certificate blanks. This was this was this this was nine years ago. All right, all right. The government government of Puerto Rico uh, said, okay, told everybody everybody in the U.S. do not take any any uh, any uh, uh, do not accept any birth certificate as ID that was issued after July uh, before July 2010. Okay, and it appears you know if I had to guess, I would say that Georgia never lifted that ban. No kidding. Mm. Uh, that's that's that, you know that's 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 supposition on my part, but the but the 2010 ban is listed in that in in that document, right. even though the information the information is so old that it, it, there's a question in there that says who's the governor of Puerto Rico? Wow! And it says Pedro Rosello, <laughs> who is the father oh. of the current governor and left office I think in 2003. That's so it is. It is. Uh, this is. It is a. Now, I had a. I had a conversation with with uh, uh, with the the spokesperson for for the, the department, State Department of Drivers uh, Services, and she could not tell me where that who had that document, whose possession it was in, how widespread that document was. But she did say that document had never received official. That was never officially approved. That that's not a. That is a. That is that is that is. A document that's been circulating that has no that had has no history of being approved by the by the hierarchy of the DDS. It's interesting because it's a class action suit, so somebody's looking at it. Uh, you brought a copy of it with yeah. you. Uh, somebody's Anderson. using it, and someone's using it. Somewhere. Yeah, they're, 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 in the class action portion, they say maybe 40, 40, 40 people. Yeah, they know of that they know of might be affected. 
So, did Georgia Legislative Black Caucus have any anything to say about this? Or I, I'm thinking maybe the state NAACP or any, you know, the Southern Center for Human Rights, of course, is involved with this suit. This is something that never should have happened um, at all. And, and so uh, we are um, very strong about um, discrimination and the, the um, potential around it. And this definitely, this document and the questionnaire and the questioning of uh, folks who are already U.S. citizens trying to gain um, a Georgia state license um, is something that, uh, as I said, shouldn't have never happened and should not be happening now. Okay. And and no no I will I will speak up for Angelique here. Okay, because because one of the one of the one of the uh, uh the timing here is important. I mean, the document was obtained by these attorneys in December 2018. That was that was a month before Brian Kemp took office. So this is this is not his problem, but it is his problem to clean up. And uh he he put out a fairly strong statement on Friday. I think. If there's anything you can believe, it's believe Brian Kemp. If he says he's going to do it, he will. Yeah. So, but you know, Georgia's had this ugly spotlight on it since last November with mm-hmm. all the election allegations, voter suppression, and and so much more. It seems to me that this is the kind of negative story that Governor Kemp has worked hard to move away from. And here it is. How does he fight back with this view of Georgia it's, discriminating uh, against it, anyone? It is. It is ugly. It's un- unfortunate. I'm half Hispanic myself. I, however. If it's there, it needs to be addressed, and I believe Governor Kemp will address it. And 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 Donna, you got to remember. I mean, there 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 are times when uh, when an incident like that can be helpful to a governor uh, who wants to repair his image. I mean, he he. I mean, he, he as we've seen. I mean, in, in the polling that came out last January, I mean, it's improved, but but he he came out pretty damaged uh, uh, from that. Uh, from that race with uh, Stacey Abrams. And this is just the kind of incident that, you know, could could really help him if he shows a shows a a, a willingness to go at it and go after hard after it hard and openly and 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 very quickly tell everybody what was found. Yeah. You know, last week when this first came out, we said on the show we may not hear from him, you know, before this week and yet his office came out last week with oh, something called, during the his, holiday. His people called at five o'clock on Friday. That's yeah, good. they were they were they were very intent on getting and, and on not letting the weekend go before they addressed this. Yeah. So the lawsuit was filed in U.S. District Court in Atlanta last week. So we'll we'll see what happens next on that one. You, my my prediction, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have you're gonna have to Mr. Kemp come out with something, and then you're going to see this settled very quickly. Ah. Well, we'll we'll, re- yeah, I don't we'll think, replay that. I don't, I don't think I don't think this lawsuit is going to go very far before it's over. Okay, we'll replay we that so. because, like I said, it's it's gained attention worldwide and very quickly because it was a holiday weekend. Let's get another break out of the way, though. Right now, when we come back, we're going to talk about Teresa Tomlinson, the Democratic candidate in Georgia's U.S. Senate race, and we'll discuss a ruling that allows the Georgia General Assembly to continue keeping records away from the public. You're listening to Political Rewind on GPB. Are you thinking of getting rid of your old car, truck, or RV? GPB's vehicle donation program is here to help. Donating has never been easier. We'll take care of everything, including free pickup of your vehicle. Just go to gpb.org slash cars or call 877-GPB-1-CAR. That's 877-472-1227. And thanks so much. Puerto Rico is turning towards solar energy. Many living on the island had already lost trust in its electric system before Hurricane Maria hit two years ago. Because it's weak and the people start to thinking about trying to find a long-term solution and the sun is one of them. I'm Audie Cornish. The future of solar power in Puerto Rico, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. 4 till 7 today on GPB and gpbnews.org or ask your smart speaker to play GPB. Welcome back to Political Rewind. I'm Donna Lowry from GPB's Lawmakers, filling in today for Bill Nygut. And we are joined today by the AJC's Jim Galloway, political consultant Angelique Moore, and State Senator Tanya Anderson of Lithonia. And uh, let's take this time to hear a little bit more about you. You, talk, you, you both of you 
Angelique, you told us a little bit about running for office uh, a couple of times. Tell us what you're doing now. And you have a company that's with an interesting name, I think. Uh, my company is A Georgia Company. A Georgia Company. A Georgia Not, Company. There are a lot of Georgia companies. Yours is A Georgia Company. It is. My specialty tag is A-G-A-C-O. Okay. So. Shouldn't it be the Georgia Company? Uh, thank you, Jim. <laughs> so thank tell you. us. What, I'm one of your biggest fans, too. Tell us what a Georgia Company does. Well, I, I work in political consulting. Running campaigns, I do events, special events, fundraising, and I've been active and working in politics for over 25 years now. Wow. So I got started in high school. Yes, you had to have gotten started in high school. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. Let's talk, get to know you more, a little bit more, uh, uh, Senator. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. You, you, you were mayor and city council person in Lithonia. Talk about that a little bit and then... Absolutely. Um, so I started out as a city councilwoman in 2006. I um, never really wanted to be in politics, but I wanted to, um, of course, serve the community. And um, then I moved into, I won't say moved into, but it happened that I um, became mayor because I was vice mayor and served as mayor interim for 30 days and then actually had to run for the seat. So that happened three years later and then Three years later, I um, ended up in the newly formed House District 92 um, in representing Lithonia and, and Conyers. And so Senate District 43 is uh, DeKalb, Rockdale, and Newton, portions of DeKalb, Rockdale, and Newton. So I have five cities, six cities in my in my district, and it helps having um, local government experience in order to be able to sp- properly serve the folks that you represent on and, those levels. And Tanya, I, I don't want to throw you a curve here, but, but, but okay, so you've been mayor, you've been a city council uh, woman and, and, and mayor. What do you think of the, 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 the cityhood movement that, that, that keeps, keeps percolating in, in South DeKalb in particular? It's, um, it's very interesting how um, easy it looks to be a city and uh, become a city and um, then all the revenue and all of the employees and all of the services that you're supposed to provide um, then becomes overwhelming and you got to kind of juggle and try to figure out how to make this happen. Um, I, I think for the cab that um, having um, local representation is, is great, but it also takes um, civic engagement in order to uh, grow the county and the city that you live in and a good commercial base absolutely yeah and then you know i live in fulton county and we we're the we represent the growing pains of all of that with all the cities mm-hmm. that are now there and i live in the and city of, the new city of uh, south, south fulton, fulton which yeah. is still going through growing pains but actually doing much better than i, I could predict it so well, thank you for being here. We Absolutely. appreciate your voice here and Political Rewind. Uh, let's talk about, a little bit about the U.S. Senate race. Um, tomorrow, actually, the AJC's Greg Blutstein will be here, and he will talk with his guests about some of the fundraisings uh, by the candidates in that seat. And he'll have on Senator P.K. Martin and the AJC's Kevin Riley and Representative Mary Margaret Oliver. But today, let's talk more about uh, an article specifically that was in Mother Jones magazine about the Democratic candidate, Teresa Tomlinson. And she's, uh, of course, the former mayor of Columbus who announced her candidacy early, has gained some traction, but we expect others to jump in. Um, for now, she's a big name, and the, the Mother Jones article, Jim, mixed reviews on Tomlinson a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some, uh, I mean, it, it gave her credit for, for uh, some uh, a great re- re- revitalization efforts in, in downtown Columbus. Uh, you have some pushback from, I, I think, from the local NAACP uh, 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 president down there who's Said he, he, you know, she's the nominee. She, uh, he'll he'll vote for her, but you know, but uh, it, you know, it's it's really interesting. There's a there's a parallel that you can draw between uh, between Teresa Tomlinson, who, uh, as 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 all, all all of our listeners know, frequently was uh, a guest here, but. Uh, uh, but there's a, a line that can be drawn connecting her to to the troubles of Pete Buttigieg, uh, because because an, uh, a, a mayor is an executive. 
and it is harder for an executive to run for higher office than just about any. Uh, Tanya, Tanya here is shaking her head because she was the mayor. She knows she knows some of that stress. Yeah. But you've you've got to make hardcore decisions, and 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 each of those decisions is going to make an enemy. Yeah. And Mayor Pete is dealing with a similar issue that she dealt with apparently while she was during her 2011 during her first term. A rookie police officer mistook a young African American man named Tony Carr for a bank robber. Uh, the officer shot and killed Carr. Later, the GBI cleared the officer. And so there, I guess there, that's something that's still in the mind of, uh, yeah, minds yeah. of some people. I mean, people. She, had, she had no legal footing to get involved, right. but the, but but uh, there are people who thought that maybe she, she had more of a, a she, she could have provided more of a civic voice yeah. in uh, that uh, incident. And, and I'll say this, um, as a former mayor, it is, it is the, the, the only seat that is not elected is the chief of police. It is a, an appointed seat by the mayor or the, the council, whichever right. type of form of government is strong or weak. Mm -hmm. And so you appoint people who pretty much are aligned with your values and views. And it is hard to not stand behind that person as you've been up as you've appointed them um but as you said jim it th those decisions aren't always popular and it, it just takes the leadership um in that person to stand up and make those decisions but it also takes the leadership in that person to 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 have ownership of that decision um and either to make another hard decision or you know a, a create a new one that causes some uncomfortable, you know, discomfort yeah. to some yeah. to some people. I, 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 I didn't I didn't read anything in the Mother Jones article that was disqualifying. Did you? I, I mean, no, no, no. I'm I'm specifically speaking of the mayor um, mm -hmm. Mayor Pete's uh, situation right. with the mm -hmm. with the with the chief of police and how right. mm -hmm. chief of police how they how chiefs are um, um, in position now. In most cities, you, they're, they're not uh, elected at all. In most cities, you have them appointed either by the mayor or the, the council, depending on the form of government. I'm just making the point that uh, if you make this appointment and you stand behind this person, then you have to make the, the decision to either remove them and bring someone else on or just deal with the, the um, consequences of the situation is, is, is my right. point and where I'm going. So. Right. Right. Uh, uh, Donna, we should note that uh, there are a couple others who've been mentioned. Right. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Riggs Amico sure. uh, is, is looking at this race. Uh, we're told that she's been she's hired a couple of old Stacey Abrams hands from right. last year. Ran for lieutenant governor. She, that's right. Uh, and also a name that we're just kind of picking up. Today, actually, Clarkston's mayor. Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, I am. Ted Terry. Ted, Ted Terry. Terry. Yes. Ted Terry. He's, we're, we're, we're hearing that he's looking at it, too. Yeah, John Ossoff, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, Ted Terry would be an interesting one because he would pull the field far to the left. Yeah. Okay. Another mayor. And another mayor. Another mayor. So this should be interesting. I, and I wonder, Angelique, in, in how the Republican Party is looking at Toblinson in, at this point in terms of, you know, Senator Purdue is pretty popular right now and doing well. His uh, strong alliance with the President Trump has been good for him. Yes, he's done a wonderful job. He's a, as you know, he got elected as an outsider. Uh, so he's been able to work uh, for us uh, Georgians and honestly not uh, have anybody that they, he needs to talk with first, saying that he can go on his agenda as a businessman and get things done. I think he's done a wonderful job. So i uh, there is Tomlinson running now and Amico looking into it and Osoff, you said, and others. So that's honestly, as a consultant, I'll tell you, that's good. That's good for that's good for us. Good. It always, it always helps you raise money if you've got an does. opponent. It does. And lots of opponents help too, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll leave that for now. You said um, you're going to talk more about this tomorrow. Are they that's the right. They're going to talk about it. Did you yes. want to mention something with money real quick? I, I believe it. I, I'll leave that to the guests. Okay. All right. I'll say that there's a deep interest in this seat based on. You know, uh, Mayor Tomlinson coming out as strong as she has already. And so, you, what are you, what are you hearing in terms of the black community and their interest with her? N nothing yet. Okay. Just waiting to see, who, you know, who else um, 
hops in the race. Yeah, and it, you know, people were waiting, on, you know, so, for so long to find out whether Abrams was going to go into the race, and then so now it's been well, well we've had wouldn't. a few months to to uh, where Tomlinson has just been out there by herself, so it should be interesting. So yeah, well, and we'll be talking on this show a lot more about this, I'm sure. <laughs> but before we, we leave, I want to get to something the AJC reported this morning, Jim. Um, on a two-to-one vote, a court of appeals panel decided that the documents held by the General Assembly and its offices are not subject to the Open Records Act. And of course, city, county, cities, counties, most state agencies are legally bound to follow the Open Records Act. Gosh, yeah. You, 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 the the people who write the laws exempt exempt themselves wow. from the law. Uh, yeah, that has that that has been a, a long a, a a sore spot with uh, especially with news gathering organizations. Uh, and but if you are a state lawmaker, the way you look at it is: look, uh, I'm getting lots of private calls. For my constituents, I've got some very sensitive issues being raised by them. You know, some of them of 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 uh, of a of a of a legal, uh, very legally sensitive nature. I don't want them exposed, but at the same time, because those aren't exposed, uh, uh, we don't learn how the sausage is made. Uh, it, that's that that takes a lot more work. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because you've been on the city level. Okay, is the council level, and now as a lawmaker, how you see this ruling? I had to learn that that we were not subject to the. I had to learn it because I and, came in the door and expecting did you, did it. Did you kick up your heels and say yay? <laughs> no, I did. I just. I, I, I wonder what happened. Right. So, so do you do you agree that there are some things that need to be private? Talk about Absolutely. that a little bit. Then. Absolutely. Um, well, we get emails, calls all all the time about. Um, issues that can be very, very sensitive. And um, when we handle them, we try to handle them uh, with kits and gloves so that people can feel safe coming to us because sometimes they don't know who to go to. And I've gone to all these other people and no one can help me, but can you help me? And um, it gets to a, to a place where we're almost in a client um, an attorney-client attorney client, um, mm-hmm. privilege uh, situation. Um, and so we want to continue to protect that um, at the same time, we do want to be transparent. So I know my my colleagues, uh, one who you will uh, who you will interview tomorrow, is is very um, high on that um, issue. And so it's it's we've just got to find a balance to where we need to start and stop. Yeah, Angelique, and I, I think you know there is that feeling of transparency that people want, but then possibly you know lawmakers should be considered different on that. Do you agree? Well. I agree with uh, the senator here that there are a lot of uh, delicate issues that are discussed. And I'm sorry to my media friends, but um, we do also, we we have the live video streaming of committee meetings. We have uh, so much that's that is open record. You have disclosures by lobbyists. You have disclosures by the campaigns and the elected officials. So to review those. um, So... I think perhaps you could look into it for a sunshine law on some issues, but I'm not sure what those issues would be. Okay. All right, then. Well, I think I think you're right about that. I think I, you put a, you made a good point about all the, the ways we can find out about what's going on down there at the, at the Gold Dome. I am thrilled that you guys were with me today because um, that, that'll do it for Political Rewind. And I would like to thank Jim Galloway. Thank you so much for always being so insightful. Uh, Senator Tanya Anderson, thank you for your first time. And Angelique Moore for coming in, too. Thank and thank you. you for listening. Our uh, listeners out there, remember, if you missed any part of the show or if you liked it so much that you want to listen again, you can find it on gpbnews.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Political Rewind returns tomorrow at 2.